Well, the virus has now killed more than 100 people in China, and new cases have been confirmed around the world. So you don't want to frighten the American public. France and South Korea have also got evacuation plans. But you need to prepare for and assume. Strongly warning Americans to avoid all non-essential travel to China. That this is going to be a real serious problem. France, Australia, Canada, the US, Singapore, Cambodia, Vietnam, the list goes on. Health officials are investigating more than 100 possible cases in the US. Germany, a man has uh, contracted the virus. The epidemic is a demon and we cannot let this demon hide. Japan, where a bus driver uh, contracted the virus. Coronavirus has killed more than 100 people there and infected more than 4,500. We have to prepare for the worst, always, because if you don't and the worst happens. War Room Pandemic. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. Wow. Welcome to War Room Pandemics, 21st of August, year of our Lord 2020. We're live for the nation's capital. Episode 345, we're now, what, almost in 13 million, 13 million podcast downloads on the John Fredericks Radio Network on AmericasVoice.News. The great guys there. I want to thank for the live streaming. Also, they're on Dish Channel 219, um, and uh, I want to thank them for all their assistance. Also, Newsmax TV, you can get us on the rebroadcast later in the evening, and sometimes with different B-roll. Uh, Newsmax does a great job. Also, on, uh, on GTV, G News, uh, subtitle in Mandarin. Uh, and gets uh, massive traffic, as we'll talk about in a little bit. And Raheem, where else are we? We're all yeah, old Facebook Live, YouTube. Want to make sure people go through the uh, Pluto app if they want to watch it on televisions. You can download the Pluto app, the America's Voice app, everywhere. Ubiquitous. Ubiquitous. Uh, obviously, the numbers have been huge and uh, and continue to be huge. Here's the reason. Remember, we started this show back in uh, in we started during the impeachment, but we segued into the pandemic. In January, why we knew that when we saw what was happening in Ubei province and in Wuhan, the quarantine, that this was going to be something that changed world history. And so we got on top of that. What's the pandemic? How's it going to what's going to happen worldwide? The economic crisis is going to trigger the financial capital markets on top of that. But also dealing with this geopolitical confrontation between the Chinese Communist Party and uh, and the United States and the politics of it, the politics of 2020. In fact, a lot of people came to us. In the uh, in the spring, and said, "Hey, you got to shift the show back to uh, War Room 2020." Well, the pandemic and everything about that is 2020. And yesterday, look, yesterday, what I said coming out of the courthouse, and I got to tell you, how did I miss turning to the TV cameras and going to the the print cameras? Donald Trump would never make that mistake. He would automatically know to the the, the TV cameras on one side, uh, and the and I want to say the one reason I was looking to one side, the uh, new federal state of China. The uh, support of the Chinese people was absolutely unbelievable. They had all those blue flags there. That's the flag of the new federal state. It was incredible. Look, what I said yesterday, this fiasco is a total political hit job. The timing is exquisite. We have, what is it, 72 and a wake-up. Right. 72 and a wake-up to what Donald Trump says is the most important election. I don't actually like using that phrase, but I think he's right about particularly we're getting to the Democratic uh, convention here. I think it is probably the most important election of our time because the, the, the stakes not only so high, the two sides have totally different uh, opinions of what's going on. And that's, listen, you know, in my two focuses 
have been about sovereignty of the Chinese people and sovereignty of the American people. Our focus here has been tear down the firewall and we assist the Chinese people in freeing themselves from this totalitarian dictatorship. In doing so, you break the back of the party of Davos. You ba- break the back of Wall Street, the city of London, the global corporation. Their business model is all tied to that. Also, the sovereignty of the American people. The wall has been, you know, four years ago in the campaign, the wall was one of the biggest, if not the biggest topics. You know, President Trump has done a heroic uh, job in trying to build it. What he said yesterday is absolutely correct. Building the wall is a function of government, but look how much trouble President Trump has had, what he's had to fight against, and not just the, the progressive Democrats, but also people in his own party. There has just not been enthusiasm, as there has been for the deplorables. And remember, our audience here, besides the hedge fund guys and the news producers and all the political types that, that listen to the show, because they want to see what people are thinking, they want to see what people are responding to. That's why this show is for the deplorables and for Lao Beijing, which are the deplorables of China. But look, I, I am not going to back down. This is a political hit job. Everybody knows I love a fight. You know, I was called Honey Badger for many years. You know, Honey Badger doesn't give. So, you know, I'm in this for the long haul. I'm in this for the fight. I'm going to continue to fight. This was to stop and intimidate people that want to talk about the wall. This is to stop and intimidate people that have President Trump's back on building the wall. One thing I can tell you from the heroic effort we did, and really Brian Colfage, who's an American hero, Brian Colfage is, I think, the most wounded airman in the history of the Air Force to survive. He's a triple amputee, almost bled out multiple times after he's hit uh, during the uh, during the Afghan and Iraq war, uh, and just an American hero. The pain and agony that guy still goes through every day. He has dedicated his life, when he had this idea, dedicated his life uh, to building the wall. Remember, President Trump's right. Building the wall is a government function. There, we've, never, we've never made, a, never questioned that at all, right? This was to show support for President Trump in the wall movement. And the wall has to be built. This, is the, this political hit job is to try to stop and intimidate people about not just building the wall, but what sovereignty means, right? We're going to get in later into the show about the pandemic. We've been the guys on the pandemic for, since the very beginning. And quite frankly, that's what we've got Jack and other voices here. You know, I take the pandemic, I think, much more seriously. Than, I shouldn't say seriously, but with a different take on it than a lot of my colleagues on the right. One of the reasons is I'm absolutely convinced that somehow this came out of the Wuhan lab and that this is not a total natural uh, natural phenomenon. We have to be very careful. The CCP lied and people died, right? What over, it's getting close to 170,000 people now uh, here in the United States and in the, in the projections. Some of them are horrific, some of them are not that bad. But other people, and particularly people, my colleagues on the right, have taken it less seriously. We're going to talk about COVID on the border. The key thing about the wall that I think people are missing, and this is what I'm continuing to hammer on, the wall works for both sides of the wall. The reason we built the wall down in El Paso, Texas, the first one up Mount Cristo Rey, was very simple. It was the highest, it was the, the Border Patrol told us this. It was the highest cartel passageway for trafficking, uh, sex trafficking of young women, and also drug trafficking. The people in Juarez, Juarez was a terrific border town for many, many decades. It's now turned into uh, absolutely controlled by the cartels. The people in Juarez, in and in, in on the border, and these are working class Hispanics, working class blacks told us that, hey, the building the wall is a solid thing. We had many conferences out there. We would have the deplorable show, show up to it. Uh, and we had, I think you guys came out for, the, for those things. They were absolutely incredible. It was 120 degrees. But the, the, the audience was made up of working class people, working class people on both sides of the wall. 
we are never going to stop pushing the wall. We're never going to stop saying that you can't stop this wall. And that's why it's so important this election. We're going to see that in the next segments, comparing and contrasting. There's no doubt that the Democrats have become open borders, right? I think that they have just reiterated that time again. And remember, they were some of the people, you know, a couple of decades ago that were supportive of a border wall. Now it is about now is about open borders. It's about, I think, unlimited uh, uh, immigration. I also think it's about amnesty and amnesty in a huge way. And we have to talk about it. that should become and must become one of the major topics of conversation in the 72 days that we have left. Part of the fire of that, I think, has been missing in this in this election right now and all the generalized happy talk of the Democrats. And look, we have a, a ton of Bernie the people that I get uh, texts from and emails from all the time that listen to the show, remember, the economic nationalists of this believe in limiting labor markets, not having unlimited uh, either illegal immigration or even legal immigration. The, the, the markets have to be tightened so that African-Americans and Hispanics get their shot at the tech jobs, get their shot at higher value-added manufacturing jobs. And that's what's all going to come down into the fourth revolution. So, look, this stuff is complete nonsense. I am not going to back down one inch. People that know me know I'm a fighter. That's why yesterday I walked out and, uh, and uh, you know, I wanted to make sure people knew that, hey, I'm in this for the fight. Really appreciate the support. The new federal state guys are the ones that have surprised me most. If you, when I stood out there, you obviously see the cameras. And I can't believe I turned to the print guys. I guess I'm a print guy more than a TV guy, right? A TV guy would know normally to turn to the TV cameras. I didn't have my glasses on, though. Uh, by the way, the thing in the Daily Mail, what, what to total nonsense. That drawing and the thing which is complete nonsense. I did have to wear the mask because inside the building, you're required to wear a mask. You're required to wear a mask. That's why. And I, look, I believe if you, if you believe you need a mask, particularly in public, hey, it's your, uh, it's your call. I think, the, the, I think the, the analysis of that is up in the air, as a lot of guys in Yorba said. But I wanted to make sure they knew I didn't need the mask outside. Although I would say that the media didn't exactly social distance themselves there at the end. But I was not, I was the, the, the handcuffing and thing, I was just, it was a five minute exercise, right? So it's look, I have no back down on this. I'm not going to back up one inch. There's all these charges are nonsense. It's a political hit job. Uh, I really su- appreciate the overwhelming support, including the, the legal support. You'd be very surprised in the legal community, the number of actually liberal. Uh, lawyers that have reached out to, to, to my legal team, but it's been absolutely fantastic. But there's going to be absolutely no back down in this. And I want to make sure we get up. We, we had, what, was it 2 million people on live stream yesterday in, through the firewall? We did. In, no. in, in two, two, 2 million mainland viewers in yeah, China. Yeah, G News was uh, putting it into China. And while you were actually in the courthouse, they posted some uh, metrics of the number of viewers, and it showed that more than 2 million people from the new federal state of China. We're watching on GTV live streaming because they so support well, you and they understand that you're yeah. critical to educating the world about the danger of the CCP. So when we look at the Chinese supporters, almost all of them perceive that this is an attempt to quiet you from revealing to the world the evil and the danger of the CCP. So they see this from another side as an attempt to suppress your your voice in a fight that to them is mortally important. Listen, it, it is all the chips on the table. Uh, under no circumstances for everybody in our uh, Chinese audience, uh, we have, as John Paul Jones said, a great naval officer. We have not yet begun to fight, right? So you have not seen yeah. anything yet. We're, we're going to absolutely go after the CCP later in the show we're going to talk about. And actually, I think if we can get Miles Guo 
on the uh, on the boat. He's taking my job as uh, being down. He's being taking my job as being down. Uh, was what does Raheem say? Down, down, down the line. Down, down the line. Uh, and uh, I, by the way, so I've got to do tan maintenance this afternoon. Let's carve out some time for that. I don't want to lose this. I got so much compliments yesterday on my hair and my uh, and, and 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 the tan. I, I you know I'm I'm still trying to lose the weight. I think I'm getting there. I'm not I'm not totally. Don't laugh, fish. I'm not totally there yet. I'm not sure fish could laugh, but. I think you might want to give a day off the tan because you are matching those hats behind you. <laughs> oh, red. Um, just to make sure we reiterate, I reiterate this. This fiasco yesterday was to intimidate anybody that wants to talk about American sovereignty and wants to talk about uh, the wall. Uh, we're, we're never going to stop talking about that and fighting for it, right? President Trump is in, a, is in an absolute dogfight right now. And don't think that if President Trump was not to win re-election, Right. That you're not going to have a total sea change as far as that goes. Right. Hopefully the court challenges we would be able to throw up would be as tough as the court challenges that they, the opposition has put up against President Trump. But absolutely. The southern wall is essential for American sovereignty. Right. And if we'd had the wall down there, I think some of these covid numbers we're going to talk about, I think, uh, later in the first hour, particularly among Customs and Border Patrol, these heroes who are out in Portland every night, the heroes who are on the on the uh, on the wall, on the border. Uh, now we know from J- uh, Brandon Judd, he told us the other day they're getting doxxed and intimidated. So you can't even, uh, you know, they can't even go home or the kids can't even go to school. These are American heroes. Brian Colfage, uh, the leader of uh, a bu- uh, We Build the Walls, an American hero. Uh, and, uh, and so the two things are to tear down the firewall in China and to tear down the firewall in China that will assist the Chinese people in their freedom. And we're here to assist 24 hours a day. And also to ultimately make sure that the federal government builds the wall. And President Trump's 100% correct there. It's a government function, and we all have his back in, uh, in, in trying to do it. Now, don't we have a special... I had so many om- uh, homages yesterday, yeah. right? Uh, th- th- I think we had a special homage. I don't know how many... Well, that, well, well, we well, we still can outro to it. Raheem, anything before we go to the... Before we jump in this segment, go to the next? You're in my spot. <laughs> you know, I can't, this is typical Raheem. All I get the whole time is whining. Hey, when are you coming back? This is such a burden. I got my own show. You can't, I'm, you know, I'm running National Post. I got my own show. And uh, by the way, this show looks fantastic. It's not, it's not like War Room, right? It's a little more. It's a little more. It's got glow. We have Matt, I guess. Uh, the, um, and, um, but as soon as I'm back here, the first thing Raheem says this morning, hey, why are you sitting there? Right, <laughs> so he's done a great job in the. I made it all comfy. I'd be looked. I'd be more than happy to give it back up. But <laughs> okay, we have uh, we have a special. Yeah. We have a special homage to take us out from a very special individual. I want to play oh. that on radio. Uh, Raheem, you'll speak to it, and then let's go. Roll it. That is a beautiful, beautiful tribute. War room. Pandemic with Stephen K. Bannon. The epidemic is a demon, and we cannot let this demon hide. War Room. Pandemic. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. You ready? I believe we are. This is a great nation. We're a good and decent people. For Lord's sake, this is the United States of America. There's never been anything we've been able to accomplish. We've done it together. Uh, welcome back to War Room, a pandemic. Are you ready? This is now with almost 13 million downloads, and uh, of course on John Fredericks and AVN and Newsmax and others, all of our GTN, G News, GTV, 
all that. It's an absolute blowout show. What was that? Is that? Did he actually say John Solomon had this up? I want to make sure I get this right. Did he stumble and say there's nothing we've been able to accomplish or nothing we've been unable to accomplish? I, to me, it sounded like there's nothing we've been able to accomplish. Now, clearly, Steve, it was a miss. He misstated what he wanted to say. But here, here's the but, point. But I, the bigger problem I've got is with the, the lead-in. It's all, am I cr- wrong? It's all happy talk rhetoric, right? It's just all over the last four days, right? And we're not here to tell you to vote for Donald Trump. That's not our focus, right? That's not what we do at all. We, we try to lay out the facts. We are partisans. We're huge Trump supporters and the Trump movement supporters. We're to lay this out. But over the last four days, just complete happy talk where we get into you're back here, though, at Fort Defiance. It's the fort that's going to remain defiant. And also the Fight Club. Remember, we're here for fights that matter. I really want to thank all the hashtag war and pandemic and the live stream and all the voices that are coming in here uh, for support. And particularly the Chinese people. Remember, hey, I'm never going to give up that fight, right? That is the central fight of our time because in freeing the Chinese people from the Chinese Communist Party, we're going to free the American people. Right now, we are under a system. Right. The Kaltos to Beijing it uses the slave labor of the Chinese to drive world economics. That's why you can't get that's why working class people can't get decent wages. That's why that's why the millennials are nothing but Russian serfs. Right. You don't own anything. You're not going to own anything. It's the systemic problem in capitalism. And that can be sorted. And if we do not sort that the systemic problem in capitalism, you're going to have more of the revolt that you're seeing in the streets. And over the last four days, gentlemen, this is the problem I had. This was all kind of, and I believe it, I call it Obama restoration, but Obama restoration in, and with Joe Biden is just a, a utility or tool to do that, but a, a restoration and kind of this highfalutin rhetoric, right? And so they got tough at some times, but it was, and can we play that? Can we play President, uh, is it uh, Joe Biden's, uh, the cloak lightness? Of, and, cloak uh, of darkness. Cloak, cloak of darkness. Let's play, let's play where he gets, he gets. He tries to sound like Steve Bannon here, but doesn't quite actually pull it off. All right, I think we got it. Let's yep, roll it, ABN. The current president has cloaked American darkness for much too long. Too much anger, too much fear, too much division. My word. If you entrust me with the presidency, I will draw on the best of us, not the worst. I'll be an ally of the light, not the darkness. It's time for us, for we the people, to come together and make no mistake. United, we can and will overcome this season of darkness in America. We'll choose hope over fear, facts over fiction, fairness over privilege. What is, what is even, it's so, it's, it's, it's so. Doesn't work. It doesn't work. It's no. So I want to get back how you did it the other day. But one point I want to make that, that, that I think the Democrats fall into and for the American people, they talk about unity and they talk about people that, that, that drive either anger or drive, uh, you know, resistance or drive this uh, emotions. Lincoln, FDR, and Reagan were not uniters during the time they were in office, right? They, they, Lincoln united the North, right, in a, in a basically a, a moral crusade. One is a nationalist to keep the union. The other was to destroy slavery in every aspect of it, right, to break the back of the, of the plantation aristocracy in the South, right? The, the FDR, until Pearl Harbor, people should go back and study the, the, the anti-war movement and the, and the, the uh, re- re- revulsion 
that people had about World War I here in the United States that did not want to get involved in another war in Europe. And they saw it coming in China, the land war in Asia with Japan. They saw it, what was happening in Spain and then the run-up. That's why we, con we continue to compare Hong Kong to, uh, to Munich, right? And, and so people didn't want to do it until Pearl Harbor. He was a divider, not a uniter. And Reagan was a, was a divider the entire time in taking on the Soviet Union to say, we have to bring down the evil empire. We win, they lose. No more rapprochement, no more detente, no more, you know, no more working together. We're going to take this thing down. And he had a plan, an economic, you know, Peter Schweitzer's great book I made the film off of, his book, Reagan's War, walks you through it, right? And that's why Donald Trump, when they said it's going to be, you know, they had this, the, the version of the Thucydides trap back then, that, you know, they're the rising power and we've got to accommodate them. We have to do all that. Um, the, um, the, um, it, 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 it's, that is, these guys were dividers because they stood for something that took America to the next level every time. The Civil War, the victory in World War II against uh, the fascist, and the victory in the Cold War. Donald Trump is a disruptor. What he was up against, and that's why I think that 2016 is, is really can be a, a rerun of 2020. They're trying to make it a popularity contest between, about, I believe, the Obama restoration and a popularity contest about President Trump because President Trump's got some rough edges, right? He's a fighter, right? He's a disruptor. He's not, he's not a smooth politician. He's never been in politics. And, but the sides and the stakes are so high, and they're in such living color now. They're in, they're, they're so, these are bright colors. They're not dull pastels. You can see, but the Democrats, and here's what I think the tell is, over four days where you could treat the American people as serious people, they went to the total things of just emotions. Right. You, can't, you, you should have walked through, you should have walked through your policies and the difference of policies. They hide the policies. Now, Raheem and you guys bring up, oh, well, the, earlier in the day when they have the undercard is where they get some of the policy stuff in. But you don't see any of that in, in any of the prime time. Forget the, na and the national TV stuff has just been all generalized orange man bad. That's basically the orange man bad, right? And, and we're going to restore uh, the, 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 uh, essentially the Obama administration. And my point is, hey, if that's what you want to do, that's fine. Okay, but let's have, a let's have an adult conversation about that topic. Let's talk about those policies, the neoliberal, neocon policies that you, you followed and you want to follow. And then let's see how many of the Bernie bros sign up for that. Let's see how the economic nationalists in the Bernie movement sign up for just a, re a redo of the uh, of the um, of the Obama, you know, economic and foreign policy. Now with a under with a with a patina of social justice of, of letting the radicals and Antifa and certain elements of the cultural Marxism, Black Lives Matter, of of having their, their wokeness, which is all a misdirection play, because they're not going to go after the problem. The problem is we have a global economic model that does not work okay and part of that doesn't work is the southern border wall without the wall that's how they get that's how they can get unlimited illegal immigration into the country to compete against blacks and hispanics for working class jobs that's why wages and those things don't rise this is why the miracle of trump's economy was guess what stock markets at all-time high because of deregulation and, and tax cuts and but a striver's economy as steve cortez calls it a striver's economy that had the the working class make their you know make their uh you know have increasing wages 
lowest unemployment but increasing wages more than college graduates, more than the managerial class. That is economy that you can see starting to hit on all cylinders. Yet we want to go back to the concentration of wealth. Raheem, I, jump I promise, in here, guys. Yeah, j- jump in here, guys. <laughs> You see, you shouldn't let me off the ship now. Now, now I'm back close to a mic. Before he had, I was down the line. Now I was no, I was going to say, it's so much better when you get to do these things in studio. I set the whole thing up, actually, just to get you back here. That was, <laughs> that was, that was the whole thing. I want to just come back to some of the points you made there. And by the way, I don't think anybody's done this yet, but I think over the course of the day, we're going to go back and look at where this whole darkness thing came from. Because actually, they're regurgitating some of Obama's talking points from the 2018 um, midterms. When he got up there, his, the people who wrote his speeches, I'm sure, are the same people who's writing Biden's speeches now and he used the same kind of rhetoric so I want to do a compare and contrast we'll get to that over the course of the day but like you say no logos no logic no policy no ethos you look at you got Bill Clinton up there you got all these other people up there who have walk walk the audience through quickly the Aristotelian what how you have to have all three elements of this to make an argument to a mature adult a winning argument whether it's an electoral argument whether it's an argument in person whether it's in a debate prep or whatever it it comprises of three main things. And that there is logos, there is the logic to your argument, there is the ethos, there is the ethical, the the undergirding of it. Uh, puts you in the moral, in the, in the right moral standpoint. And there is the pathos, which is the emotion. The Democrats seem to think, and Joe Biden showed it last night, that you can win everything on pathos alone. And that's why fewer people are tuning in to this DNC than they did four years ago. And that's why you're not seeing... You would typically expect a poll bump after you announce your VP and after you have your convention. And I don't think they're going to get it. Or the polling, the latest polling I'm seeing is showing that either they remain level or they're dropping two, three, four points. And I just want to make one final point about what you mentioned there is that they're not fighting this election in a traditionally American way. They're setting Joe Biden up as kind of this EU commissioner type. You know, he's the stuffy suit. And the others are playing the political thing. Michelle Obama is playing more of a political front figure than Joe Biden is. Kamala's playing sort of the prime ministerial role here. And Obama himself is like the elder statesman, like the Jacques Delors. That is absolutely brilliant. That's the thing about the EU. That's why it feels like people say... He doesn't really get to the point at all. It's all this kind of general. It's almost like one of these EU elections. The commissioners don't make the points. They never go up and make the points. It's always the other people who make the points. What you said, he's talking about this evil cloak of darkness that Donald Trump represents. We all know what that evil cloak of darkness is. It's the CCP. And Joe Biden is the hat check girl for the CCP. He's the guy who's going to be holding that cloak over Z's shoulders. Let's get back to some of the stuff that he's talking about, cloak of darkness. As he wants to reveal and shed light on America, when is he going to reveal what was in those 25 hours of conversations privately with Chairman Z as he sold out the American worker and the American people? Jack Maxey was on that big time. <laughs> Just he's hammering him every day. Quick break. Get back on here. Hashtag War and Pandemic in the live stream. Give us some comments. We'll be back at Fort Defiance in a second. War Room Pandemic with Stephen K. Bannon. The epidemic is a demon, and we cannot let this demon hide. War Room Pandemic. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. Stop meaning anything. When truth doesn't matter, when people can just lie with abandon, democracy can't work. I'm hopeful that out of this political darkness, I see a great awakening 
of citizenship all across the country. I can't tell you how encouraged I've been to see so many people getting involved for the first time or the first time in a very long time. Raheem uh, Kassam, great, uh, great poll. That was President Obama from 2018. So is there is there going to be a plagiarism problem here with uh, Biden's uh, Biden's uh, Biden's speech writers? Or they can't plagiarize themselves, saying the same guys that wrote that have got to be working on this speech. Somebody has gone back and like Control F'd on their computer, darkness, and just pulled that thing, that whole theme from Obama's 2018 thing. I'm sure it's the same people writing the speeches, but yeah, as if it's as if. Biden is giving that speech for the first time. It's not. They're cribbing themselves, and it's very clear there's no originalism here. Well, the one thing is I hope we are in the midst of a great awakening, uh, just to, like most Democrats. Obama doesn't really understand his history and where that term comes from. The great awakening was this inspirational movement, a reawakening of a religious feeling in the United States. And one thing that it led directly to was the collapse of the democratic institution of slavery. These were the people that inspired the abolition movement. So I certainly, sitting here at this table, I hope that Obama is correct, that we are in the midst of a great awakening. Look, love, uh, we want hashtag war and pandemic in, uh, in the live stream to, to jump in here. We want your comments, your observations uh, as we talk about. Normally, we don't get into this level of politics, but, but because it is the conventions and because everything we talk about on the pandemic, on the on the economic crisis, on the financial crisis, geopolitics, and that's what I want to get to. Evil cloak of darkness. Mm. To me, Biden should be forced to wear that, right? And my mean by that, what is he talking about? When we talk about the major policy, on the, on the first half of the pandemic, I didn't hear over the last four days, and correct me if I'm wrong, I didn't hear over the last four days coming out, besides saying President Trump blew it, President Trump doesn't know what he's doing, I didn't hear an alternative plan. Right. You know, they want to follow the science. They want to follow the data. You know, all that President Trump made teachers, the essential workers. Just say, I know that I know that uh, I know that uh, made people crazy. But uh, you've got um, you. So you've got the pandemic. Right. You then have the economic crisis. The only thing we've heard about is a four trillion dollar, you know, tax increase. Right. And, and but you haven't seen any other discussion, really some happy talk. You haven't seen anything about bringing manufacturing is is the evil cloak of darkness. President Trump has uh, limiting the labor pool. Right. And remember, his his immigration plan, I think, is, is most Americans think I think the, the legal immigration plan is is very fair. It's it's he wants a merit based plan. I mean, he's much he's uh, much uh, to the middle of the more restrictionists and the restrictions are there because of the economy and because of making sure that African-Americans and Hispanics get a shot at the tech economy, that they that they get a shot at the value at they get a shot at engineering school they get a shot at, 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 at postgraduate computer classes they get a shot at silicon valley and being an active part of the fourth industrial revolution so is that the evil cloak of darkness is the evil cloak of darkness confronting beijing and not as jack maxi says being a buddy of she and i think and correct me if i'm wrong we can play it the only time china was mentioned in four days of prime time was i think cuomo saying Oh, President Trump, you know, dismisses China because he says it's a European virus. I don't think they brought up China even even to to throw the name out. And they never brought up Chinese Communist Party. So so is that is that the evil cloak of darkness? Is the evil cloak of darkness in America first national security policy that that tries to undo, which even remember, 
even President Obama tried to do that, but he couldn't do it. His pivot to Asia was to get away from the neocon failed policies of previous administrations, both Clinton and Bush. Right. And really, you know, the start in the Clinton administration and then went to the Bush administration. It was that, you know, the foreign policy of which Joe Biden sat on. He was the Senate leader uh, of the council uh, of uh, the foreign uh, the foreign relations committee, one of the most prestigious, not the most prestigious in the Senate. Right. It's the reason they put him on as the running mate. He, he was the guy from Wilmington, Delaware. He's the concierge for the global corporations. That's where he's senator from. He was supposed to be the adult supervision. Right. Because President Obama was a fire breathing anti-war populist. That's how he took down. Guess who? Hillary Clinton in the primary and Joe Biden in the primary. And Joe Biden was put back on there as a sop to those who really uh, control and run the, the Democratic Party. So is that the evil cloak of darkness? So if you look at if you get into the substance and granularity of it. Right. Uh, you know, and or, or as Raheem would call us, would call it uh, the logos and the ethos of the argument, not the emotions of the argument. And this is what I think they've turned. To me, it's quite clear what they've done. They had every opportunity. This is what I said on Maria Bartram last Sunday. You just go through the policies and see what they represent, see what the happy talk represents, compare and contrast, and then you make a decision. If you support those policies on safety and law and order, on the economy, on America First national security policy, if you, on, on, on confronting the Chinese Communist Party, on things like the wall, sanctuary cities, and other aspects of the immigration policy, if that's an evil cloak of darkness, this is also Biden, you know, I think going to a dangerous part in, in, a, in American politics to say the other side's evil, right? The other side's not just not wrong on its, on its arguments. They're just, not, they're just not misguided. The other side just doesn't maybe understand uh, American values or they, don't, uh, they misinterpret it. Or maybe they're just, they understand it, but they misinterpret that the action is supposed to do it. No, they're evil. That Trump resents an evil cloak of darkness. I haven't seen this evil cloak on, on the last couple. The evil cloak, the only evil cloak I've seen is Antifa, these anarchists, you know, kind of, kind of out of control. Well, uh, well, you know, there, there was an opportunity for Obama to actually bring up China uh, during his speech when he talked about what uh, he put Joe Biden in charge of. Uh, during his administration, but he didn't mention that. He threw a cloak of darkness around that. The only time that China was mentioned was during Cuomo's, uh, w during Cuomo's speech when he tried to throw a misdirection play. So we do have that let's, clip. Let's play Cuomo's clip. Oh, yeah. important. This is the one time you hear China. All right, let's roll it. And our current federal government is dysfunctional and incompetent. It couldn't fight off the virus. In fact, it didn't even see it coming. The European virus infected the Northeast while the White House was still fixated on China. The virus had been attacking us for months before they even knew it was here. We saw the failure of a government that tried to deny the virus, then tried to ignore it, and then tried to politicize it. How did he deny? Okay, we started the show. We started doing the, the broadcast, I think, with Miles on, in mid-January for, for Chinese New Year when it was told us, hey, there's not going to be a Chinese New Year Five, for the first time in 4,000 years, you know, people are not going to be able to go home. It's the biggest migration in human history. I think 500 million people returned to their, to their family origins to, to celebrate that. They're not going to be that. That is like what? Because the Chinese Communist Party comes because they have order, right? So this is the thing. And then a couple of days later, uh, you know, Ube province, the size of France, and Wuhan, the size of New York City, one goes through a shutdown, the other is in a full quarantine that was in January 21st, 22nd, 23rd. The president said, I don't understand how Cuomo, 
with his track record. And we, look, we, when we did the WABC show for a couple of weeks during the height of the crisis there, we tried to be supportive of him and Mayor de Blasio because it was a crisis and try to make sure they got their they got their message out. To my but, chagrin. Yeah, yeah. We, look, we weren't trying to take political shots <laughs> yeah. because the nation's in a crisis. And p- quite frankly, you're trying to feel your way through this. But how can he sit there with a straight face and talk about dysfunction and, and, and incompetence when you look at the track record of him versus the federal government and particularly how President Trump bent over backwards and the administration bent over backwards to get him all every aspect he needed from 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 naval vessels going up there as hospital ships to standing up field hospitals in Central Park taking the Javits Center standing up as a field hospital giving every aspect it was him it was Cuomo and the people around him is still misread in the heat of battle misread and and and, and it looks like they didn't think through the issues with the nursing homes and the issues with the aged, and they didn't really focus on the comorbidities enough, which we now know with targeted interventions. We have problems, obviously, minority communities, comorbidities, uh, the aged, people in nursing homes. Those are the areas that have got to be, you know, you've got to do interventions early on, right, to, to drop this. But to sit there and go, oh, Trump is thinking, and he just, it was, he was focused on China. The bias in Europe came from China. What, what is he trying to say there? The northern the Italy that went through meltdown, it came from the the fashion industry and the garment industry and unsuspecting people coming from China, right, for either Fashion Week or coming over because of so many of the textile companies up there and fashion companies have either ownership of or major equity stakes by the Chinese. That's how this thing got to Europe, and it exploded. So he sits there, and that's just outright. And that is the only time, unless, you know, somebody correct us out here, we we always want the posse to give us uh, give us their opinions unless somebody can show me where else in the in the ma- in the major uh, confrontation of our times between two radically different systems that will determine the rest of this century in the lives of your children your grandchildren and your life right and think about it there's no doubt now that the Chinese Communist Party if they didn't have it in the Wuhan lab and it either inadvertently leaked or some people think they let it out on purpose. We now know through their actions, we now know through their actions that they exacerbated this and spread it all over the world. And that's why people in the new federal state sit there and chant. They were chanting there yesterday. CCP lied, Americans died. CCP lied, Chinese died. So when you go back and look at this, first off, evil, right? You're evil. Evil cloak of darkness. That means that Trump and Trump supporters, and that means you that are listening in this audience— you're not wrong. You're not misguided. You didn't think this through enough. It's not about that. It's that you're evil, right? It's you, you are the evil cloak of darkness that led to the surprise victory, uh, the stunning surprise victory over Hillary Clinton. But when you go through the policies, I can see where you disagree with them. Where are they evil? Where is Trump sitting there not? And by the way, you see it in the math. You see it in, in the economy recovering. You see it in... You see it in a striver's economy, as Steve Cortez calls it. It's an economy based on the bottom up. And that's going, and because of the pandemic, have we gotten back into the concentration of wealth, and particularly the tech companies? We absolutely have, because in an emergency basis, we put a massive bazooka of, of cash into the system. But before that, right, you actually had a shot of people going. And what do the Democrats represent in alternative? They're the ones that back. The tech companies, right? I haven't seen, you know, in the hearings of the day, it was all powder puff derby. I didn't see anything that come out of that. So where in these verticals? First off, where do they really disagree on the pandemic as far as as far as actuality goes? We have Fauci. We'll talk about the next thing. Fauci says, hey, I'm going to go stand in line like I'm at Starbucks. I'm voting on November 3rd in line. 
where in four days did they really come out on any policy and highlight what their difference is from the evil cloak of darkness, Mr. Kassam? None. There, there weren't any. And I want to bring it back really quickly to the, the China point and how little um, China came up uh, during the DNC. There was an article that came out on the Global Times the other day, and it quoted Li Haidong, a professor at the Institute of International Relations at the China Foreign Affairs University. And Li Haidong said, quote, Biden is definitely smoother to deal with. That's the consensus around the world for China, because Biden was vice president during Obama's term. He has a lot of prior experience dealing with Chinese leaders. We would expect to facilitate more effective communication if he wins. Vish, you That's brought, pretty clear. It's very clear. Vish, you, you brought it out, the buried lead. And he going through the accomplishments, President Obama putting forward the curriculum vita, the, the accomplishments of Joe Biden never mentioned the pivot to Asia and never mentioned the two things Joe Biden was in charge of was overseeing the, the financial recovery as kind of over the shoulder since he was the senator from Wilmington, Delaware, right, and Wall Street's representative, and the pivot to Asia. That was his two most important things. He was marginal. He was tangential in Obamacare. He was tangential in everything else. That were his two mandates. You didn't hear much about that, about the concentration of wealth under his watch and the disaster of the pivot to Asia. Maybe that's not an evil cloak of darkness. Okay, uh, let's uh, let's take a quick commercial break. We're going to sell some commercials, sell some ads, pay for things, and we'll be right back. War Room Pandemic with Stephen K. Bannon. The epidemic is a demon, and we cannot let this demon hide. War Room Pandemic. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. Welcome back uh, to the War Room. Uh, we're distributed. We're ubiquitous, and uh, traffic and viewership is uh, is a, a little hot, which we like. Want to get all your voices on the live stream, all your voices, and hashtag War Room Pandemic gives your observations, comments, things we should be talking about, things we're missing. We did have a, a, a I want to say a slight miss, but we've got uh, a find with our ever great research staff at AVN and Vish and the team. Uh, can we play that? Can we play a Biden speech from last night about mentioning yeah, China? Roll it. roll it, AVN. The president still does not have a plan. Well, I do. If I'm your president on day one, we'll implement the national strategy I've been laying out since March. We'll develop and deploy rapid tests with results available immediately. We'll make the medical supplies and protective equipment that our country needs. And we'll make them here in America so we will never again be at the mercy of China or other foreign countries in order to protect our own people. We'll make sure our schools have the resources they need to be open, safe, and effective. We'll put politics aside. We'll take the muzzle off our experts so the public gets the information they need and deserve. Honest, unvarnished truth. They can handle it. We'll have a national mandate to wear masks, not as a burden, but as a patriotic duty to protect one another. In short, we'll do what we should have done from the very beginning. Our current president has failed in his most basic duty to the nation. He's failed to protect us. He's failed to protect America. It, this is, uh, okay, first off, the hypocrisy of the China thing. Joe, it was under your watch that you know, the medical equipment all went over there. You haven't said a peep about it, right? It takes muscle. It takes, it takes determination to get the CCP 
to, uh, to, to, to basically give up the medical supply chain that they control, particularly for pharmaceuticals, right, and for PPE, but particularly for pharmaceuticals. Rosemary Gibson will tell you, never heard a word from, from, from Biden or any of this crowd. The national plan is just a reiteration. Is Trump not doing national testing? Does, does Dr. Fauci and Dr. Burks, could Dr. Fauci do any more media? Right, when he says that's not the muzzle. Here, when he says the muzzle and he says not, is that the muzzle? Dr. Fauci, is there any place else that, that he could possibly go? And I, look, I think it's fine. Let Dr. Fauci, I'd like to have it a little more organized. Dr. Burks, right? Is there, there's nothing in this whole strategy of, of, of his, his March strategy. The only thing he's come and said definitively was stopping the flights from China was hysterically xenophobic mm. and racist and nativist, and it shouldn't have happened, which is that shows you when the time for decision comes, Joe Biden's like he always is, confused in the fog of war. But, but Raheem, Jack, jump in here and fish. The, 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 first off, this is the best you've got on the pandemic. Now, I realize you're talking to a general TV audience that, that has lower information voters. But to me, you got to get into the granularity. This is the best you got. This is what your plan's so great that President Trump's not doing. I don't know anything in there that President Trump is not doing and hasn't been doing uh, since day one. And I might add about the administrative state. It was the CDC, the CDC lifers that came up with the whole testing strategy. Mm -hmm. President Trump, you keep saying, depend on evidence-based, science-based, database, on the experts, unmuzzle the experts. Joe Biden... The president turned to the experts in the early days of the CDC on the testing. It was the experts that got it so terribly wrong, right? It was entrepreneurs and others that helped fix this in combination with the scientists and the, and the, and the national government, the federal government. Guys, jump in here. Is this his one mention of China is something that he helped to do and hasn't offered up any, any policies that will bring that back, right? What, and this this is the level of granularity he's going to get into. That's that's what, why we really wanted to play that clip because that China bit, by the way, was definitely snuck into that speech last minute, just for us, right? They they knew that we would come after them if he didn't say the word China in that speech. But let's go through those points real quick. Testing the testing, as you say, has been done in rapid line. testing. Rapid, rapid testing. testing has been done in line with what and. Believe me, I'm the one to know about how the tests are not rapid, right? Um, but they've been done in line with exactly what the experts have said, exactly what the task force has said. This is the people that the media wanted us to, to listen to. It was when the private companies came in to help facilitate a lot of that testing taking place and a lot of the processing. You know, the, the, process, the CDC test was ridiculously slow and ridiculously ineffective. And then we made progress with the well, private and companies. The, and you're, you're a prime example. I think in the first week or couple of weeks of the show, you came down, you were ill. Yep. You took a test. Was it seven days, eight days before oh, we got? Yeah, it was, I think it was even longer. No, yeah. In fact, like, we, had, like you, we had you for a full quarantine yep. out of the studio for almost a month. Yep. Because I, so you saw the CDC in, in all its glory at the beginning of this. Right. And then he said, just now, listen to him. He said, open schools. This is what the president is trying to do. Open the schools. Go back. He said, put the politics aside. Where's well, actually been the left who's been putting the politics into this pandemic? He said, take the muzzle off the experts. Dr. Fauci has done every single television and radio network Barstool, and, Barstool, and the podcast yeah. scene. He's done the magazines, the in-style magazines, the poolside shots. 
Snapchat interviews. He's done the whole gamut. How is that a muzzle? But the one thing that yeah. stood out for me there that's different, the national mask mandate, which is very, very unpopular in this country. Well, it's not just unpopular. I think it's the question is, the question is the uh, efficacy. The question is, does it actually work? I think there's a lot of questions coming from Europe. It's still open to that. Dr. Fauci said it first. Remember, you don't have to do it. I want to tee up. We're going to have uh, we're going to have we're going to have a Portland, but we got to get to the border, and we're going to start with the border thing. But tell me, this whole thing is this Biden's evil cloak of darkness? The way the president's handling the pandemic, it sounds like the president to me is is galvanizing is galvanizing the medical community, the the entrepreneurial community, the country, and putting it on the governors to actually run it as our federal system shows. Hey, you may not agree with that, but is that the evil cloak of darkness? Right? Is is Trump? With Cuomo's thing showed incompetence, I, I, I think the exact opposite. And you're going to see this on uh, on the border. We've got we've had a crisis down there in these southern states, and particularly with the border patrol. Uh, and maybe we'll pick up that Jack when we get back. We have yeah. Drew Hernandez from Portland talk about the ongoing anarchy there. Uh, a major a, a bunch of arrests last night, finally. Um, and uh, and uh, Raheem, yeah. Uh, what do you think? Do you think the Democrats, I'm going to ask you a call here, do you think the Democrats get any bump out of this no, whatsoever? No, flat is the best they can hope for on you this. You think so? Yeah, I really do. But then that, that's going to be, and I understand that you know that the next week's, the, the Trump actual convention is going to have a lot more heat to it, right? My source tells me that there's far better production quality and a lot more pizzazz to the RNC. How did Hollywood blow this? I thought, Holly, the, I thought the Hollywood party was... Uh, the, well, Weinstein's in jail, that's why. What, no, just, oh! <laughs> but how, 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 what, seriously, the thing looks so flat. Okay, we're going to take a, a short commercial break. We're going to come back with the next hour. we got Miles Guo uh, about the Yangtze River flood and Drew from Portland. <laughs> 